But God does address this. If you'll turn with me in Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, it's a bit of a Sunday school lesson as well. Do you understand that when the letters were written, they weren't written by verse. We added the verses so that we could figure out where things were at. And as a result of that, sometimes verses and chapters get broken up based upon what we humans saw as appropriate, but it doesn't make sense sometimes. You think as Paul was writing this letter, he was in a, a jail, chained, and as he looked left, a wall, as he looked right, a wall, a straight ahead, bars and a wall, maybe a window, and he could go no place, nowhere, smelly, stinky, you've, you've heard the stories before, and he's writing this letter, and it makes its way to the Philippian church. And he talks in the second half of verse, excuse me, the second half of chapter one about there are people out there preaching for obvious self-benefit reasons. Some are preaching for uh, jealousy. Some are preaching out of rivalry. Some are preaching with pure motives. Others are preaching with unpure motives, but they're all preaching Christ. So we pick it up in verse 18 of chapter 1 of Philippians. My translation says, but that doesn't matter. Stop there for a moment. Sometimes you and I need to look at the past and say, it doesn't matter. I've told you before in sermons that we spend too much time thinking about the past, anticipating the future, and not living in the moment. The past, as I illustrated for you a moment ago, and your past, you have things that are much worse. I have things that are much worse. I also have things that are much better. You have things that are much better, but you can't go there all the time. It doesn't matter any longer. That doesn't mean you can't remember. doesn't mean you can't be joyful as you look at old pictures and remember things. <coughs> as an example, I had a song came on the radio the other day. It immediately took me to Florida on my way to Florida with my two kids in my minivan and my first wife. And for a moment, it, you know, in the past, I've had that song come up and it would bring me to remorse. It would bring me to, oh my goodness, why did I do that? Should have done this. But if I'd done that, I, you know, you'd live in all these what ifs, what ifs, what ifs. This is the first time this week the Lord said to me, celebrate the good memories. You have the memories. Those memories aren't given to you to bring you down. They're there to bring you up. At least that memory. What's bad about that memory? Thinking about my kids in a minivan and how things were. That's just it. That's how things were. Remember to enjoy it and be thankful you had the time. <coughs> What's that saying? I'm just thinking some of these romantic movies. It's better to have loved and lost and never have loved before. You got the memories of those good times. Remember them. Hang on to them because it doesn't matter. The reason, and what I mean by that is not that your life doesn't matter and things in the past that happened to us, they do matter. 
But it doesn't matter in terms of today and moving forward. It absolutely doesn't. You, you can't do anything about some situations. In fact, most situations you can't do anything about at all. A lot of you, including your pastor at times, will sulk in the past, so much so, it makes me ineffective for the, the, the present. I got a tickle in my throat this morning. I apologize for that. Maybe that's God's way of saying, tone it down a little bit. Listen, um, Paul goes on to tell us, and he says it doesn't matter. He says whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. Now, <clears throat> the next few verses, you're going to see the word will used between nine and ten times, depending upon the translation that you're using. Will, because we're moving from interpretation of Scripture to anticipation. Paul is no longer, as he's sitting in chains, sitting in jail. Most of us wouldn't have any idea what to do in that situation. Would it be sulking, sorrowful, wishing to be any place other than where we were at? Certainly not praising God, most likely, at least at times. We'd be upset and angry at the people who did this to us and was unjustified. How dare them? And Paul says, <clears throat> I'm going to move away from interpretation for a little bit. He says, I'm going to move to anticipation. Because you're going to see the word will, W-I-L-L, -L, used about 10 times in the rest of, the, rest of this uh, chapter 1. Not maybe. Not it already has happened. But it will happen. He's anticipating. He's so sure about what's going to take place. He's saying, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. Listen, he says, whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way, so rejoice, and I will continue to rejoice. I will continue to rejoice. No matter the situation, no matter the past, no matter the present, I will continue to rejoice. For I know that as you pray for me, and it's important that we pray for each other, and that the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, and, and listen, this will lead to my deliverance. He's not saying it, as maybe it'll happen, but it will happen. How do I know this? The next verse is an interesting verse. In verse 20, he says, For I fully expect... Some of your translations may say, for I eagerly expect and hope. For I fully expect or I eagerly expect and hope. Eagerly expect and hope is a unique phraseology, if you will, in the Greek. Matter of fact, it's so unique, this is the first time we see it in the New Testament. Some have even speculated whether or not it's even a new set of words that Paul came up with himself to describe how certain he was of the future. He so eagerly Expected, fully expected, and had hope. And it comes from this original Greek word, apo, kara, 
Dokia. If I had it up here, I'd write it. OPO. Oppo. Oppo. Cara. Dokia. It's three separate words meaning one thing. Let's start. Let's break it down. Okay, follow me. I told you it'd be a Sunday school lesson. Oppo. What does Oppo mean in the Greek? This means to turn away with concentration, ignoring other interests. Oppo. So Paul is in prison. He's chained. He can't get up and go outside. Can't do what he wants to do. Probably can't move. And some, some days he can't even move much except for his head. It means to turn away with concentration and no interest in anything else. Turning away, 180 degrees. Wham! A symbol of us, synonymous to repentance. But in this case, he's literally saying, Oppo, turn away with full concentration on whatever it is I'm looking at. Whatever it is I'm looking at becomes a thing I'm focused on. I'm not going to look to the past. I'm going to look to the future. I'm going to look to the present. I'm going to look right now. I'm going to focus on that. Let me give you an example of that. When I bought my little Nissan Kicks, and most people don't even know what a Nissan Kicks is, a little four-cylinder, uh, high-efficiency uh, car that I, I drive back and forth to work, I bought it, and I've never seen one before. Never seen one. I made that comment to the car. Never seen one. Told my wife, I've never seen one. Let me tell you, on the way home, I probably saw 10 of them. And all the time now, I see these little Nissan kicks all over the place. Why? That's what I'm focused on. You ever had that experience? I had that experience this week. When the car with my wife, she makes the comment that this really nice truck sitting next to it's beautiful, except it looks like the paint they put on the primer. It looks like primer paint. It's that new gray that you see, and it's shiny, and it looks good when it's clean, but it's, it's kind of like, eh, I'm going to spend $55,000 on a car. I don't think I'm going to, because that's the average price of a car in the United States, it's $50,000. I'm not going to spend $50,000 on something that goes, eh. <clears throat> and I said to her, as I'm in the car, you don't see that color very often, do you? And I'm telling you, every car on the road this week is that color. I got it in my head. Now I see it. Has that ever happened to you? So you know what I'm saying is true. Amen? What we focus on is what we see. If you're going to focus on the past and all the crummy stuff that's happened to you, it's going to affect the way you behave in the present and it's going to affect your future. What are you focused on? Oppo means you turn from it. No more. I'm not going to focus on that, whatever the issue is, whatever happened when you were 13 years old, whatever happened in your first marriage, whatever happened XYZ, I'm not going to focus on that because that's all I'm going to see. Does that make sense? That's all I'm going to see. The mind works that way. It's a powerful thing. The Bible tells us time and time again, transform your mind. Think about what you're going to think about. The 
human mind is not capable of thinking in the negative. As soon as I tell you to not think of elephants, you just thought of elephants. So you can't do it. I can direct your focus to make you think about something just by saying don't think about it. Okay? It's a powerful thing. Apo. So Paul recognized, he said, okay, how do I, how do I get this message across? Apo kara dokia. Apo kara dokia. Apo is to turn away with concentration, ignoring all other interests, ignoring all other distractions, everything else. Kara is very simple. The second word. Apo, kara, say it with me. Apo. Okay? Kara means head. Literally, the head. So it means turning your head. Physically turning your head. Now the good part. Dokia. So you got apo, kara, dokia. Dokia is a Greek word that means to literally stretch forward like your neck. So what Paul is saying, not only do I want you to turn away, I want you to look with eager anticipation. Eagerly anticipate and with hope to stretch, not just, not just to, to know, but to look. Listen, listen have, have you ever been in a situation, been driving down the road or maybe at work or whatever, and you see something you haven't seen before and you eagerly want to know what it is? So what do you do? Do you and I look to the second coming of Jesus with that kind of eagerly anticipation and love and hope? So much so it brings you up on your toes, stretches your neck. Are you that excited about church on Sunday mornings? The great majority of Christians are not. Paul literally made this word up so that he could express something that he couldn't express from the inside of him saying, I want you to turn your heads away from it. I want you to focus on something new. And I want you to eagerly anticipate so much so you're crawling out of your skin. You want to be there. You want to know so much more. And Paul says in the following verses, this is how he feels. He's eagerly anticipating. He wishes it on all of us. In the next few verses, listen to what he says. He says, I fully expect and hope. He says, I opakara dokia, that I will never be ashamed, but I, I will continue to be bold for Christ. No matter what I'm going through, no matter what you're going through, I'm going to continue to be bold for Christ. <clears throat> no matter what it is. A big deal back Many years ago, when I had Sunday night services at another church, was, oh, you can't have church on Super Bowl Sunday. Well, yes, I can. You're talking to a guy who played college football. I love football. I've coached football. I've been there, done that. I know the players. I know all the stuff. And if I'm willing to give up Sunday night football for you, are you willing to give it up for God? Most of the women would say, yeah. What's your focus on? You see, I figured out you could record the game. <laughs> I get both back for the buck. He says to be bold for Christ. Be bold. It's the first thing on my mind. It's the thing I'm looking at. It's the thing I'm focused on. Because the thing you're focused on is the thing you're going to do. 
And you can look around you and look at your life and you say, what am I focused on? Look at your finances. Look at your home. Look at your relationships. Look at what you do. What, what is it that you want to do? What is it that you desire to do all of the time? That's your focus. God says, if it's not me, turn and stretch your neck and eagerly anticipate serving Christ, loving Christ, waiting on Christ, doing everything for Christ. Boldly. Paul says, I trust. Listen, he says, I trust. Again, this is not about interpretation of Scripture. It's about anticipation. He's now anticipating with a great authority and great anticipation, fully expecting, eagerly expecting, with hope. He says, I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ. That's one thing that, that it's, uh, as a pastor, it's just, Think, I think about that. Maybe not that particular passage of Scripture, but how do I honor Christ in my walk daily? What have I done today that didn't honor Christ? What can I do better? And as long as we're asking those questions, that's a great thing. You know why David was so cherished by God as a man of God? Not because of what he did, but because of what was in his heart. He really, really, really wanted to love, really love God. He really believed God. He, he trusted in God and his anointing and his promises. But he's a murderer and he was a adulterer and he did all these things. God still loved him. And if God can love him, he can love me. And if he can love me, he can love you. And he does. Do you really believe in God or do you just say it? I think the key to success, the key to the key to healing, the key to uh, uh, peace, the key to whatever is true belief in God. Do you really believe? Or are you just going through the motions? Paul says, I'm not going through the motions. So much so, I'm going to give you a new word. In my whole life, Paul says, is focused on and eagerly anticipating Jesus. And he says, and that's how I want you to be. He says, so therefore, he says in verse 21, 4, to me, Living means more, excuse me, for to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. But if I live, I could do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and to be with Christ, which would be far better for me, he says, but for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live. Here's another point. Sometimes when we turn our heads from something and focus on something else, it isn't for you. It's for somebody else. It's for somebody else's growth. It's for somebody else's need. It's for somebody else's blessing that God is trying to use you. Does that make sense? Life is like the, the track. I used to run track in college and high school. I was on a, whether it's 100 meters, I should be. 400 meter relay so you'd run 100 meters and then you'd hand off the baton and some of them where you'd run 400 meters you hand off the baton you always had this baton it was, a, it was aluminum and you had to hand it off in a certain area on the track or you get disqualified life is like that for us as we serve sometimes the baton is being handed to you and you're carrying it and then there comes a point in our walk where you got to hand it off let somebody else carry the torch for a while. You got to take a little break. You got to catch your breath. You got to rejuvenate. 
Part of this is in the word, again, apokaradokia, as he stretches the neck. It literally means stretching. You see, before I would run a meet, or before I played football or basketball, all those things back in the day when I was actually in shape, we had to stretch. Because if you don't stretch, you get hurt. Things get damaged. Things get broken. Right? So we can physically stretch our hamstrings, our, our arms, and our backs, and we can stretch our neck. We even did neck stretches in football in case you got hit, right? And how do we spiritually stretch? We prepare, it's important that we prepare our minds for Christ by eagerly anticipating his word. Not getting up in the morning as a, as a matter of habit because I have to and i got to spread in my scripture, but because I want to. Let me tell you something. The more you have the attitude of I want to, which is I'm stretching, I'm seeking, I'm eagerly anticipating, the more God will give you a taste of that and the more you'll want it. The less of that you do, the less of it you'll want. It's, a down, it's an upward spiral on one, it's a downward spiral on the other. Some of you are spending time in the Word and you know exactly what I mean. Some of you haven't picked up the Bible in three months and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Listen, pick it up with an eager anticipation. God, show me your Word. Show me your will. I want to know. I really want to know you. He will show you. And the next time, it'll be easier to pick up that Bible. And the next time you pick it up, He'll show more of Himself to you. If you're open to His Word, you're open to His, his Spirit, because whoever seeks God will find God. He literally stands at the door of your house, of your being, of your soul, and knocks. But you've got to let him in. In one of the old paintings of Jesus knocking at the door, there's no doorknob. Did you know that? And they talked to the artist and said, why isn't there no doorknob? He said, that was intentional. He said, you've got to let Jesus in. He's not going to come in on his own. You've got to let him in. The biggest problem between God and you is you. When we have problems in life or we're struggling with something to go along with this sermon, it's happening to you because of you and only you can change it. That's hard. Maybe you're not happy because you're not happy. Try putting a smile on your face. Laugh a little bit. I tried on the way to work uh, just this week. I was, I decided I wasn't in a very good mood. I just, just wasn't. I just was tired. You know, it's been a long week. And then I mentioned about the song earlier. And the song came on. And I started singing with it. Before I got to the office, I was like, I was happy. I singing. You know, hey, hey. It does make a difference to put a smile on your face. It takes effort sometimes. That's why really, really happy people irritate me to no end. Where do they get the energy, huh? Huh? Don't they ever get hangry? Don't they ever get mad? I mean, what's going on? I remember talking to a couple back in another church I used to be in, and, and they'd been married forever. <laughs> and I was talking about, you know, relationships, and I mentioned something about, you know, you know, every couple argues, and they looked at me like, I mean, they didn't look at each other, and they, looked at me. they both looked at me independently. Said, We've been married for 300 years, and they never argued. Yeah, right. No. Something wrong with you guys. <laughs> I believe I believe that's possible, right? You two have never argued, have you? Right. <laughs> 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 
You've learned as I have. Happy wife, happy life. All right, right, let's finish this out. So Paul is struggling with, he says, listen, and and this is the the part that we have to be careful with. We don't want to be fatalistic in our views. And that is, I'd be better off to be dead. We don't want to have that view, right? Paul's saying, I understand. He says, I'd be better off if I were dead because I'd be with Christ. I'd be in heaven. I'd be young again. I'd have all these things. I'd have healing. He says, but that's not the right attitude to have. He says, I'm better off here suffering. He's in prison, in chains. I'm better off here. And look what happened. His word, 2,000 years later, has come to us and blessed us. So sometimes when you hand off the baton, okay, you're not going to be aware of and or in control of the person carrying the baton. You're not going to know what the result is. You're not going to know what the outcome is. But there is, because God has a purpose for everything. Right? I had a young boy come up to me who's not a young boy anymore, and he's in his second or third year of seminary. He said, do you remember that time? I think I told the story that basically I, 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 I skipped the tournament on a Sunday, a Sunday morning as, as one of the coaches, and I came and preached. And I came back later in the afternoon. He said, I never forgot that. This is like 10 years later, he's telling me this. Now he's ordained. He's marrying him and burying him and preaching him and, and all that good stuff. And it's like, wow. For him to say that to me, it was like, I, I passed the baton, had no idea where it was going, but there was God coming back to me. On the, it happened to be a week where I was like, oh, I need something. And God gave it to me at the right time, in the right place, with the right person, with the right story. And just for a moment, just for a moment, listen, he let me look back. I had a good memory. I could have looked back as I had before and thought, I missed the double my son got because I was preaching. I missed him pitching the last inning and getting the winning strike because I was preaching. Ten years later, God says, you didn't miss anything. Your son doesn't play baseball anymore. But that little boy is born again and he's preaching the gospel. First to his family, then to his friends, and now he's highly successful. His family was not saved. They are now. Maybe, maybe, just that one Sunday handing off the baton was enough for him to see the light. I'm not taking credit for him, just I'm giving credit to God because I handed the baton off. So this is where Paul's at. He says, so I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between the two. He said, but knowing this, in verse 25, knowing this, I am convinced that I will, and there's the word will again, I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, listen, you will, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he's doing through me. How many of us are willing to say that no matter what situation you're in right now? Christ is working through me. And I know that Christ will deliver me. And I know I will be a conqueror. And I know that I'm going to live for eternal life with God the Father. How many know know this for sure? Are there times in my life where sometimes I doubt a little bit? Yeah. Do you know what? There was a guy in the Bible they called him Doubting Thomas. Downing Thomas is in heaven with God because he asked questions and he approached Jesus and he went to him. And when Jesus came back the second time, who was the first person he went to and put his hands on? Thomas. It's okay to question God. 
Sometimes it's even okay to doubt him because when you are, you're focused at him. You're directing at him. It's like people who argue that there is no God, they keep talking about God. They keep trying to prove something that they don't even believe in that doesn't exist. Like what? We had a gentleman this week at the hospital and we asked if we could pray for him. I said, it doesn't matter to me. He says, I'm an atheist. Perfect. You can pray for an atheist. My prayer was his salvation. Then his healing. Being sick is, we're all going to get sick and die, right? But the important thing is people are saved so that God can heal them. Maybe in this life, but for sure when we step out of this one into the next one. Amen? This will happen. Turn your heads. Stretch in eager anticipation and hope and love that God's word is absolutely 100% true and that he loves you. Live your, live your life this week um, that way, knowing, knowing, not wondering, knowing. Lord God, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for keeping the, uh, the audience at bay, for bringing your spirit. Lord, we just ask that you help us to turn our heads and focus on you. We are so easily distracted by cars and homes and the opposite sex and what's on TV. Lord, help us to focus on you. And then we'll find everything come in to focus as it should be. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who is our center of our focus. And I pray he remains to be. It's in his name I pray. Amen. Thank <laughs> you.